This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you're listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Jay- I don't. I hope you're having a terrible day. Oh, That's how rude. dare you, Andy Hanselman? That's rude. So rude. Jay Randolph Jr. will be joining us a little bit later to talk about the British Open. I think they just call it the Open. The Open the Championship open. is the, open the proper. Championship. We have to call it the British Open because we're not British. That's why I call it the British Open. Yeah. Look. And they, they call the winner, you're the champion golfer of the year. Yes. That seems kind of pompous to me. Well, it should be. It's the it's the it's oldest little, major. It's right. the oldest tournament in the world. And, I know. And it's, it's the definition the of pomp and, 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 and it's it's set and you know usually it's, it's taking place in the birthplace of the game. I get yeah. it. The trophy's a damn cup. Well, I mean, golf even golf's even an acronym. No, it's not it? a cup. It's a jug. It's, it's a the cl- claret the jug. Claret That's jug. The same shit. No, you can pour. Same I mean, shit. It's, it's like a pour. You can like pour the booze directly into your mouth. You from can the go claret. to Target or Michaels or something cup and too. get get one for ten dollars. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> listen, to, listen to this blasphemy. <laughs> Look, I don't that, appreciate that, that at damn all. Damn millennial! I forgot about this commercial. It's one of the Vegas ones where these four guys they have like this silver cup. And they're just running around Vegas, holding the cup up in the air. I forgot what they're chanting, but they're chanting something. So everybody thinks like they just won like some kind of trophy, and they're like getting in places for free, and girls are paying attention <laughs> to them, yeah. and all this other different stuff. And it turns out all it is is just a vase from the lobby. They, <laughs> they, they put it, they put it back on the shelf and put the flowers back in. And I'm like, that's pretty damn clever. Next that's time pretty clever. Idea. Next time that's I'm in Vegas, I may have to try to do that. I am recently back from New York. It's my favorite city in all. You're the, the world, world traveler. I don't know about a world traveler. I go okay. there like every four years. East Coast traveler. East Coast traveler, yes. But New York City, by far, my favorite place on the entire earth. Mm. I wish I could move there, but I cannot afford it. No, it's, it's rather pricey. Rather I, pricey. I forgot how pricey New York is until you get there and you're like, oh my God, this <laughs> meal is like $45 right. and it's not very big. And right. I'm still starving when it's over. But nonetheless, New York City is awesome. Like, is McDonald's more expensive in New oh, York? Yeah. yeah. Everything is. Everything is. Everything's Everything is. more expensive. It's so like, what, so like, what, so like a combo, too, here in uh, beautiful Glen Carbon, Illinois, is I think five sixty nine, which is... closer to like 10 in New York. Yeah, it's probably like $8, $8 or something. Eight or nine bucks, yeah. yeah. I know you don't smoke, but did you see how much cigarettes cost? Uh, no, I did not. That, I it's didn't probably, even pay attention to it. It's probably... I know when I was in Chicago, and I'm a big... That's user, crazy, too. Big user of chewing tobacco. It's like five bucks a can, almost. Really? And how much yeah. is it here? Two fifty, three dollars. So uh, back in about two thousand nine range, bought cigarettes up there. At the time, cigarettes here were about four fifty, five bucks a pack in Illinois. Yeah, they were three something over in Missouri, and they were nine dollars a pack in Chicago. So I can only imagine what they are. I, I have no idea. I, I I really didn't look, but like I mean, food's more expensive, beer's more expensive, the yeah. gas was more. But expensive. you were on vacation, so I'm. I was on vacation. I mean, I'm like, look, you know, what's the point of making the money if you can't enjoy spending it? Right. Did you go to the Jersey Shore and, and get some and get some saltwater taffy? I did not go to the Jersey. The only time I was ever in Jersey was when I was going to the airport. Gotcha. Because I flew into Newark. One thing, okay, my flight was at 6 a.m. at Lambert. Right. I got there at 5 o'clock, imagining, you know, Lambert Nobody. to be a ghost town. Furthest thing from it, it was packed. Really? On a Sunday morning at 5 a.m., and Lambert is crawling with people. I was stunned. Wow. I get to the airport, I, you know, I check my bag, and, you know, I get my boarding pass, and I don't have a seat assigned to me. So I get to the gate, and I tell, you know, the, the, the people working the desk, I'm like, hey, I need a seat assigned to me. And they're like... Okay, sir, you know, we had to wait for the plane to fill up, and then we will assign oh, you a no. seat. Oh, no. Yes, damn. I was worried about that. And I booked this trip, like, in May. Yeah. So it's not like I booked this, like, you know, a week ago. I right. had, had right. A, I've had it booked for quite some time. What happened there? So they gave me a seat assignment. I get on the plane, and it's one of those... 17B. It's one of those United Express jets. Oh, no. So they're really small. And I'm almost getting to the point where, like, small places like that start to freak me out like a little bit. Mm-hmm. I calm down shortly after, but I start to freak out. Right. So I walk on and uh, the seat there's someone sitting sitting in the seat that's assigned to me. And I go, I believe the seat was assigned to me. He goes, Nope, the seat's mine. He got his boarding pass and he showed it to me. Now before I got on the plane, there was another woman who was kind of like in the same situation I was in. And she goes, Well if I can't get on this plane, when's the next one in Newark? And she goes, Well the next one in Newark's gonna be like at noon. I'm not going to spend six hours at Lambert, so I better not get stranded here. Right. So 
I start walking back off the plane. And I tell the flight attendant, I'm like, someone's already got the seat, so what do I do? And the lady who was like in the same situation I was in, she was already sitting down in the seat and she goes, I'll get off the plane. It's, it's not that big a deal. I'll just go later. And everybody's like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. So she got off. Wow. And I took her seat. And I sat next to this girl who was like 13 years old. And she's got like that petrified bunny look. Yeah. And she was like traveling by herself. And then here's this 300-pound guy with a black beard <laughs> and a, a Raiders cap. Just comes plopping down right well, next Raiders to you. But mafia. thank God for, I mean, for your comfort level. At least it was someone small next to you. Thank God for that. You're right. Because you, know, you, know, you know what happens to me? Me and you get to sit next if to it each was other. You, honest to God, if it was you <laughs> and I sitting right next to, uh, sitting next to each other, I have no idea what we would have done. It was one of those things they would have had to find. Like we would have to switch with somebody. Thank God we know each other. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was going to work. Well, okay, I had a flight from on my way back. I had a flight from uh, Newark to Cincinnati and Cincinnati to St. Louis. Well, of course, because you know why would you be able to fly direct from Newark to St. Louis? No. That doesn't what, make any sense at all. You know what? That actually doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. It bothers the fuck out of me. But <laughs> anyway, so my flight at uh, Newark was supposed to leave three forty-five on Thursday afternoon. Uh huh. I get to Newark insanely early. I get to the airport insanely early. I'm there like two hours early. Okay. And I'm well, that's like, what you're supposed to be there. Two hours early for for domestic flights. Two, two or three. Like I mean, like like I said, it was like three forty-five. I think I got to the airport like at one o'clock. Yeah. Oh wow! So really early. Really early, and I'm flying back on Delta. So I'm in line to get my Delta boarding pass, and this woman behind me, I felt terrible for her. She had like a two-year, like she was like on her way to meet her husband someplace. She had a two-year-old in a stroller and like a six-month-old on her hip, and like a cup of coffee in one hand, and then like her cell phone in the other. And she's getting into an argument with her husband because her like you know she was having trouble getting on the plane or doing something, and he was of no help to her, and she's like stressing out. And I told her, I go, look, I go, I mean, if it'll help, you can go ahead in front of me. She's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I'm obnoxiously early. It doesn't matter. You can go ahead and go in front of me. She's like, oh, thank you so much. But like, I could tell those kids were about to freak out. Yeah. She was about to freak out. The kids were about to freak out. Then everybody was about to freak out. <laughs> look at you. Chivalry isn't dead. Chivalry is not dead. So. Matt Berger. My gentleman <laughs> of St. Louis. <laughs> gentleman of St. Louis, I represent. So. My flight was supposed to leave at 3.45. It got bumped to 4.30, and then it got bumped to 5.10, and then it got bumped to 5.30. Oh, my goodness. By the time we got on the plane, I don't think it was – I think it might have been, like, closer to 6 o'clock. And then we had to sit on the plane for, like, another 20 minutes. We weren't up in the air until about 6.30. So keep in mind, I had, like, a three-hour layover in Cincinnati. I've been delayed for about three hours. I'm like, this mm. is going to happen again. Like, the last time I traveled from, back from New York – I had a layover, and I missed my connecting flight, and then my connecting flight was in Ohio. Here we go again. I landed in Cincinnati. I had enough time to walk off the plane, walk across the airport, and then get back on the other plane to St. Louis. Very nice. That's Very cool. nice. And the flight from Cincinnati to St. Louis, it's one hour. Yeah. yeah. If you feel like you just go up and you go back down. It's again. like going yeah. to Chicago. Yeah, so it's, it's really quick, so that wasn't that bad. Yeah. But uh, by the time I got home, I got home about 9.30 that night, and I walked to my condo, and it was 85 degrees. <laughs> oh, no. Because my AC went out while I was gone. And I'm like, yep, that seems about right. That, that's about that's right. That's a perfect end to perfect this Perfect ending. So I just opened up some windows and turned the ceiling fan on high and just kind of laid there and sweated it out. But uh, one thing we do not have to sweat about anymore, who's managing the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of the shilt. How close were we, though? We, we were, I, we, we we were so close by a few hours. We missed it by literally hours. By literally hours. I mean, I, I sent you guys a message on Sunday, and I said, Clay, because I knew you were out of town. I was like, yeah. Clay, do we need to have an emergency replacement podcast okay. well, because of the new? <laughs> I mean, the podcast we just recorded is completely and totally irrelevant for what we just So I, Charlie for what happened. really, really smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Charlie so, sounded really good. You guys did. You guys sounded amazing. I, I sent out a tweet saying... You know, because I got, uh, you know, the inside information that you had, Clay, and I sent out a tweet saying about, like, you know, Matheny's going to be fired before Thursday after the All-Star break. I, yeah. I sent that tweet out while that game was going on. Yeah. And J.J. Bailey from KMOV.com, he's like, do you want to bet on it? I'm like, sure, 10 bucks. And then uh. two hours later, you know, boom, here's notification that Mike Matheny has been fired. And I'm like, hey, J.J. Bailey, where's JJ. my I'm like, where's my 10 bucks? And he goes, I hey, should pay you $100. Here's my, here's my Venmo ID. Oh, wait, but you, you don't do the Venmo yet. Oh, I mean, I can do Venmo. Oh, I, I thought you didn't do the Venmo. No, I, I can't. Here's this, this is what I should do, though. I should. J.J. Bailey, had he and I have had this back and forth about who's the real karate kid. He is a Johnny fan. Oh I'm God. like, look, it's Daniel LaRusso. Stop it. 
Who won that damn tournament? I don't care if you thought that kick was illegal. J- Danny LaRusso was the one who was holding up that trophy at the very end of that tournament. Yeah. He's the karate kid. Him and Rocchio, right? That, Him uh, and Rocchio. Look, they're, they're, con- they're contrary. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> J.J. Bailey and Rock think that Johnny, Johnny is yes, the real karate Johnny kid. Johnny is the real hero. Johnny's yeah. the real hero. We've debated this. CTFO. <laughs> for real. <laughs> we, for real. We've debated this. I'm not kidding. It, when we were on 590... We've debated this on air all the time. Times. So this is what I should I should have had JJ Bailey pin this tweet and have him had it and have him pinned it to his page for like a month that Daniel LaRussa is the real karate kid. I should have had him do that. Maybe I still will. I mean, how do you even think that Daniel LaRusso was not the real karate kid? Oh, who they, knows? I mean, millennials. They'll go on forever. Uh, but I mean, look, anyone who's paid God, a- these stupid millennials. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who's paid attention to me for the past four years knows I've been saying that Matheny had to go. I'm not saying that he was the only- How about this, Matheny? I'm not saying he was the only problem, but he was clearly no longer the solution. He, but he was a victim of his own stubbornness. He never adapted. He never really learned or changed from one season to the next. And he held on to John maybe for too long. And he lost and the, lost the clubhouse. He, he big time lost the clubhouse. I said that two years ago. I think he no. lost the clubhouse. I don't think anybody's paying attention to him. Yeah. But I think when he interviewed for the job back in 2011, the organization was swooned by what I like to call the Tebow effect. What does everyone say after they meet Tim Tebow for the first time? He's the kind of guy I want my daughter to marry. I, I wanted to vote for him for president. There's just something that can be said about the power of presence, and Matheny definitely has that. I've met the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got that. I mean, he's a, you know, he's 6'4". He's built. He's, he's built like a, a and brick he's house. handsome as the Dickens. And he, he, he's, he's le- he really is. He's like leading man handsome. Yeah. I mean, how, like women were more upset about Matheny oh, being yeah. fired oh, yeah. than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, like, that's always a sign. I've always said this. That's a sign that if a player or somebody is, is no good, if most of his fans are women. Same thing with J.D. Drew. If you went to a Cardinal game when J.D. Drew was a Cardinal, you never saw a guy wearing a J.D. Drew no. t-shirt or a J.D. Drew jersey. It was, it was, it was a chick jersey. It was wear. always women or it was always little no. kids. T.J. Yoshi was the same way. Oh, yeah. If you went to a Blues game, you never really saw any men with a T.J. Yoshi jersey. It was usually a, women or usually kids. I have a T.J. Yoshi jersey. Well, I mean, you fall into one of those categories, <laughs> I guess. So I since I'm old, my uh, my mom and her friends, they all thought Gary Carter was the dreamboat back in Gary the Gary Carter, oh, the kid, yeah. huh? Carter. They like they like Gary Carter a lot. The, the curly-haired Gary Carter. Yep. Wow. The, the 1986. Six Mets, Gary Carter. That's how they knew about Gary Carter. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, like if you have presence and you can't bring anything else to the table, he's the equivalent of going out with a woman solely for her looks. It doesn't last. I mean, eventually, you're like everything else is going to start bubbling up to the surface. Yeah, and it's going the the relationship is going to erode. And that's exactly what happened with the Cardinals. Now I am kind of surprised that they didn't wait for the body to to cool off at all. Right. I mean, they got embarrassed by the Reds, and then Mo came in there and put a cap in them real quick. Real quick. Oh, real quick. I think it's a well, matter of just logistics. At that, I mean, that decision wasn't just made that day. No, no, it was done. No, it was made. I think was they said it was made Friday. Friday. Yeah, that Friday. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't let him like you know finish the game on Sunday yeah. and then go into the All Star break. Well, MLB know. doesn't want you to do that if because if you're technically they, in the All Star break after you're done playing your game then they don't want any other big news during right. the All-Star game because they want the All-Star game to be the headline. I, mean, that, that I see what be. you're saying, though. Let Matheny manage the Sunday game. Yeah. Does it really matter at does that it, point? It, it, I don't think no. it does. And does and, and, but does it make him look bad? No, he already looks bad enough. How awkward was that, though? I mean, everybody in the room had to have known. You know, oh, like you're absolutely. You're up for Sunday's game, and you know that like that's the last time you throw that jersey off. I mean, Saturday's game? Saturday, that's right. You, I, mean, think, you think, hold up, I don't think anybody knew because there was not a heap of it. On Twitter, not a peep. I, oh, until the Cardinals, I mean, I think, until the think, Cardinals release. No, I think people with inside the organization. I mean, you can't tell and me you know that. What? Other than your, other than your, other than your peep that you yeah. sent us, yeah. Matheny probably had to know. He had to have. I mean, like I've been fired before, and you kind of know when you're about to be right. fired. Like every single time your boss calls your name, you're like, "Yep, this is it. This is when I'm going to get fired." It's like you trouble when w- trouble when you you know as a kid when you did something wrong. And your Absolutely. mom called, you, you knew it. Now, you knew it was coming. I, I don't feel bad for Matheny at all because, look, the Cardinals rescued him from yeah. financial ruin. They, I mean, like, they saved his life, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah they did. Because he was in huge financial trouble Yeah, yeah. going back to the, the real estate crisis uh, in 2008 and 2009. Got, and it was, I don't think that stuff was even his fault. No, most no. of the time it's not. Yeah, yeah he you know, just like got, a lot got of, like, screwed. Every, everybody got, I mean, there were a lot of people who got wiped out in yeah. the real estate crisis. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who lost so much value of their house. I mean, they could have made their payments on time, but if the schmuck two doors down from you stops making his payments and the bank forecloses on his house, the value of your house depends on what the house, just like yours, sells for. Right, right? the comps. The comps. 
So uh, if that thing sells for pennies on the dollar, the value of your house goes right down too, and you did nothing wrong. That's our finance lesson. There's your finance lesson. Brought to lesson. you by the last man up. <laughs> yeah. So now the fun begins. The search for the new manager. Names thrown out there have been Jose Okendo, who says he no longer wants a job, and I'm not interested in Jose Okendo anyway because no one else has ever wanted him. Right. He's never tied to any other managerial job. To me, that tells you everything you need to know. Right. If no one else wants you, why should I want right. you? So I do not want Jose Okendo. You have current interim manager Mike Schilt. Eh. You know, I, I, I'm... He's a I'll good, t- he's a good you, baseball I'll t- man. I'll tell yeah. you, and that's the thing. <laughs> a lot of people within the organization really, really, really respect Mike Schilt. And there's a lot of people they around. Do. There's yeah. a lot of people around baseball around, who, baseball, around baseball who do too. And I will say this, and this is gonna, this is BFIB Twitter is gonna hate this. I like the approach he's taking with Dexter Fowler. Mm-hmm. You got to find some way to get him back on track. Run him out there. This is we're, like we're a little over the halfway point of the yep. season. This season's lost anyway. Yeah. You're, you're, you're never gonna hear anybody in the organization say that they're never gonna wave the white flag. But this season, for the most part, is considered a yep. loss. You might as well run him out there. Dexter Fowler, he's got an untradeable contract. He is your most expensive player. He's got no value right now. Right. So you either either need to get him back on track so he can perform like he's supposed to, mm-hmm. or you raise his value and maybe you can trade him. Because right now, what else are you going to do with him? Yeah. So I do like the approach that he's taking on that. Then there's Joe Girardi, who might be a, a dinosaur at this point, even though he managed last year and has for years, and he isn't that old, but he's kind of like that old-school metallic. That right. mentality of a manager, the Cardinals—they kind of want somebody who's more into the analytics. Mm-hmm. Somebody's more into saber metrics and develops young people and develops really young and develops young players. young players. I don't know if that's necessarily Joe Girardi, so I don't know if it's going to be him. I think you have the exact same problem with Joe Girardi that you're going to have with Mike Matheny. Oh, I, I've heard people. I've heard people say that too. But I mean, I think like the thing I, I like about Joe Girardi is that I think Joe Girardi overall is a better manager than what Mike Matheny is. And I think even too, even when he doesn't have like a great even team, like I when, think Joe Girardi like can managing manage. the bullpen. There's there's always going to be managers out there who that don't was, know who, who that was supposed to be funny. Well, there's always managers out there. Okay, like the, that's one of your biggest things to do as a manager is to manage the bullpen. Right. And okay, and managing the bullpen. And the, the pitcher goes out there and he does what he's supposed to do. You look like yeah. a genius. If he goes out there and he screws the pooch, you look like a moron. Right. I mean, it's it's fifty fifty. Why do our... they put key, Why do they keep putting Cecil out there? He sucks. Oh, Cecil needs Cecil needs to be designated for assignment, and so does uh, Greg Holland. They're both terrible. I think the thing with Girardi that's interesting <laughs> is that he's also coming off a situation where he got let go. So you think he well, learns from his mistakes he, he and maybe puts himself, you know, in a better position. He really didn't get let go. They just didn't renew his contract. His, okay. his, his contract right. was up, and they didn't bring him back. And I don't even think he wanted to go back, to right. be honest with you. I think they were both kind of just kind of done. Uh, then, like, another name that's being thrown out there is Carlos Beltran, who would basically be another Mike Matheny. He's got no coaching or managerial experience at any level. I haven't but, heard Carlos Beltran yet. He, he, well, he interviewed for the, the Yankees job, and yeah, he, he didn't did. get it. It went to Aaron Boone. Uh, now, the thing that I like about Carlos Beltran, call it crazy, I think that he could be a recruiting asset. So if you have someone like oh, a, 100. Oh, yeah. if you have someone out there like a Manny Machado or some of these other Latin players who may not know anything about St. Louis other than what they read in the headlines, mm-hmm. and what's in the headlines isn't always good mm-hmm. with the SCDs and the street crime, yeah. he could be there like, look, you know, I played there, I'm managing here. You, you know, if you play well, ask Yadier or Molina. Fans love him. You yeah. see more yeah. number four Molina jerseys than you see anything else. Yeah. When Poulos was here, Poulos was, was beloved. I was telling you guys earlier that I, I emptied a, a home run derby for Corey League kids on uh, Friday night. And th- there is a, a point to the story. They had to list their favorite ball player as part, as part of you know part of things. So I would say, hey, you know, this is so-and-so, his favorite ball player. 90% of them, Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina. Wow. Yeah, because he's been there the longest. Yeah. Yep. He's the face of the franchise. He's still, I mean, as far as the catcher go, he's, he's, he's still good. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he's the best in the game anymore. No, he's not anymore, but he's still I good. He, I don't think he has been for the past couple of years, but no, he's his still knees, great. His, no, his knees have gotten to him. You his knees have gotten to yeah. him. You know, I mean, he's 36. You can't yeah. name 10 guys better than him. Probably not. No. No, but I mean, is he top top five? Yeah. Eh, maybe. Probably. Maybe. 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 He made the all, he's obviously top three. Yeah. Now, he, the, the dark horse in the managerial search, and don't be surprised if this happens. Don't be surprised. Is Mark McGuire? Do not be surprised. How if about it happens. this, McGuire? Do not do not be surprised can if it you, happens. Can you imagine how that would go? I, I think mean, it would go. You, over, I think it would I go mean, over well. I, it's the same thing as Matheny. Not necessarily it's, because he's been a bench coach and a hitting coach. 
to me, that's that's. Can you imagine more, Mark that's McGuire? That's a little more than coming off the coming out of a real estate office and yeah. putting on a uniform I, and I, taking I'll over. I'll give you that. Give Can you, you that. imagine Mark McGuire doing 162 pregame interviews See, and 162 <laughs> postgame interviews? I think that's the thing is that's maybe going to turn McGuire off the most. But the good thing is, mm-hmm. is that the media in St. Louis isn't exactly like you know New York or Philadelphia or Chicago. Right. Well, Doug Vaughn on TMA said that. Uh, or uh, no, I'm sorry. Doug asked the question, and then I forgot who they were talking to. And and uh, actually, it was Derek Gould. And Derek said, "You know, you're 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 reflecting back to Mark the player. Go back. You have, you have to look at Mark the coach, who's a much more affable guy, and would and would probably handle those responsibilities better. And when he didn't want to, would probably yield to a guy like Schilt, who would you know go out there and and entertain the the crowds for well, a while. I mean, if he keeps Schilt around, right? Assuming he would. Assuming he would." But, but, dude, I, that would not surprise me one bit if they hired Mark McGuire as as a manager. Now, if I had to... Who hate, would wear 25, Fowler or McGuire? <laughs> uh, I, they'd have to come to some kind of uh, agreement on that. Maybe that's how they get, maybe that's how they get their first fight. Right. How about they each wear 12 and a half? <laughs> do, you think they, do you think they expand Big Mac land? Like the entire, maybe just third Just make third it all deck? of it? It's all Big Mac land. Could very well. Could very well happen. Manager land. Manager land. That's what um, it is. Big Mac manager. I'm, try, I mean, I'm trying to come up with a with a funny pun and I can't. <laughs> okay, so like of all those coaching candidates, which one do you think is most likely? And do you think there's someone that I overlooked? I think honestly, if it's not Mike Schill, it's gonna be someone that we're not talking about necessarily right now. I mean Stubby Claps Stubby name is gonna, his name's gonna be out there too. I just want somebody I I would prefer to have somebody who's not Tied to the organization. I think that this organization, more than anything else, needs a fresh set of eyes. Someone from the outside to come in mm-hmm. and say, look, you guys have been on top for a long time, but you haven't been mm-hmm. for the past three years. Here's the reasons why. Because I think a lot of people are too close to the situation and are seeing everything through cardinal-colored through cardinal lenses. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. But it was also, um, I've kind of come to the opinion that the guy who has the job it, can, he, he can he can win his way into this job. Oh, Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And I know you said that they're done, and they might be as far as getting yeah. as far as winning a World Series championship, mm-hmm. but weirder things have happened. They won 83 games in 2006. I'm just saying that the guy can win his way into the job. I, I don't think, even know if it comes down to wins. I mean, yes, it does come down to wins and losses like ultimately, but if he creates a different culture within the clubhouse and that alone, I mean, I think Mosaic is completely aware now that the roster's not even the especially best the bullpen. The, the, exactly, the, the bullpen is, is a huge heaping. There mess. are glaring holes, but if you can look at a guy and say he creates a really positive culture, and then now you go out and get those free agents, you know, it it, it means more, I think, to me than a little bit more than you know wins and losses at that point. They, they will make. We have the trading deadline um, next week. Yep, or not next week, the week after. So it is going. They're they're going to make the typical cardinal move. They're going mm. to. I think the reason why you're not seeing Jose Martinez play much mm-hmm. is because they don't want him to get hurt. Right. They don't want like his numbers to go down because I I think he's gone. I think he's going to be going to someplace in the American League to be a DH, and that's where he needs to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I uh, championed for Jose Martinez last year. Mm-hmm. I think he's a hell of a hitter. He can't field worth a lick. He's terrible out in the field. You can't you can't have like as bad as this Cardinals defense is, you can't have him out you can't have another liability out there and he's clearly that. I just don't think you're gonna get the return like what what are you gonna get in uh, in all honesty in return you'll, for him? You'll get a middle reliever that you've never heard of. Or or guys that are in double or triple A. Someone it's like gonna that. Be, it's gonna be yeah. a move for the it's, future for it, sure. Ab- absolutely. It, it's going to be you're, you're not going to get a big name that you've heard of no. in a trade for Jose Martinez. No. I think Jed Jerko was gone too, because I mean Jed Jerko was he where was he this weekend? Well he was sick. That is finally that, is, it finally came out. It finally came out that he finally was sick. Okay. Because yeah. that was a big mystery. Confirmed he was like he was like, brother. Where's Waldo? Where's Jed? No one knew where Jed was. I'm like, well, maybe he's gonna be part of a trade too. I mean, he has like a team friendly contract. Yeah. I wouldn't maybe necessarily get rid of him because you know because of the the versatility he has in the infield. That's true. And he's he's not a bad fielder and he he can get a hot bat. Yeah. Speaking of a hot bat, a lot of people were saying that now was the time to trade Matt Carpenter. Man, if you trade that guy, if you if you trade Matt Carpenter, you are waving the wife, the yeah. white flag on the season. No I'm doubt. not necessarily saying that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I was saying trade Matt, Matt Carpenter during the off season. Yeah. Because all he, yeah, but he's, he's homered six games in a row. <laughs> he's he's hitting the cover off the ball. There's no question about that. Yeah, but that's all he can really do. He can hit. He's he, he's not good in the base paths. He is he's an average. He's field, an average defender. He's an yeah. average fielder yeah. at best. Yeah, we can't have average fielders here anymore. No. I mean, we've got so many people playing 
off their positions, especially in the infield. We yeah. can't have that anymore. And that's, we where just can't. That's, that's where all this crap started. Absolutely yeah. it did. Is that you have guys, you know, it really started uh, when they moved. Um, well, they had Matt Adams playing in right field. He's never played right field before in his entire life. And this year you had Jose Martinez playing first base. He's never played first base before. Yeah. It's, like, it's like he was, Matheny was managing this like it was like a slow-pitch softball team. <laughs> Who, who, Hal, Hal can't make it tonight, so uh, Clay, you got right field, and uh, and Bob can't make it, so Andy, you got first base. Oh, I mean, that's, that's how it was. I think can it I really borrow a mitt? Can I borrow what... a first base with mitt, please? <laughs> that's what makes the uh, Jerko thing interesting to me because I think they have a couple of guys that they want to take extended looks at in terms of you know Yairo Munoz, Paul DeYoung, Colton Wong, and really see. I do too. Okay, the next three four years, where are we going to be? Because Jed Jerko is not going to be a Cardinal in three four years. I don't think but he is some either. of these younger guys, you know. Are they long-term fits, or do they need to go really see you know what other options are at those positions? I, I think they know what they got in Harrison Bader. Yeah, I think Harrison Bader is your center fielder of the future. And Bfib, oh I, yeah, Bfib, I know you're upset that you're you haven't been able to see your pet out there every day because Dexter Fowler's been playing, yeah. and Tommy Pham's been playing, and it, that makes you very mad. But r- relax, Harrison Bader isn't going anywhere. He'll mm-hmm. be in center field for the Cardinals next year unless they trade him. Right. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to go. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. No. For the sake of conversation, I would like to see Jed Jerko be here in three to four years. You know, because I, I that means something you, went really, really well for Jed Jerko and the Cardinals, and also means that you have built a, you know, you have built your, you, you have a, a good leader, a utility man, infielder who can who's doing a lot for you, whether it be in the clubhouse yeah. or on the field or on the or at the plate. But you got to think guys in 3 4 years from now, guys like a Jose Martinez, a Matt Carpenter, a Paul Dion, they'll be 3 or 4 years older too and especially guys like Colt Wong, Matt, they'll be seen as seasoned veterans. So it's not like you really need, you know, Jerko. I just think they're really, you know, trying to evaluate talent-wise where they're at, which is what they should be doing at the moment. The Cardinals are now officially the first thing they haven't been probably all year. Interesting. Yeah. Finally, at least there's something to talk about. Uh, Derek Gould tweeted this week. Uh, actually, this was uh, earlier today or yesterday. During post-game interview, Mike Schilt walked through every relief decision from trying to get to the Holland-Schwaber matchup. He wanted to the two double switches to get Carpenter in the game for two plate appearances, not a pitcher for multiple innings. He went through every single detail. Whereas, and basically the big complaint was, was that Matheny didn't think that the media was relevant. No. Didn't want to answer their questions. Absolutely not. Blew them off. And, you know, and they, they had conversations around, hey, you know, we're the ones who are reaching out to the fans. They're like, no, we can communicate with the fans on our own. There, there, was, uh, there was one morning I was listening to Bernie Micklet's show on 101, and he was talking about how when he was still, you know, with the Post-Dispatch, and he was in the media room, and Mike Matheny, he didn't say the name of the reporter, but I think we could all pretty much well guess who he was talking to. Yeah. He said to the reporter, you must be a terrible father. And, and like the whole room kind of gasped. And, and was he sh- talking to Joe Strauss? Uh, he, Micklitz wouldn't say, but that was my guess that it was Holy Joe Strauss. Holy And the reason, the reason why he said that is because, well, you know, you're always on the road covering right. a team and you're, and you're never home traveling, so yeah. you must be a terrible father. And then when it was pointed out that, well, Mike, you're a father and you're on the road a right. lot too. If not he, more. If not more, <laughs> he made it sound like, well, you know, my job's important, not yours. He was yeah. not well received by the, or not, not well liked. Well, I don't no, think by the media. I think Matheny's one of those guys where he does not like to be second guessed. Yeah, no, he's he was. I've I've had several people tell me off the record that he's a know it all. Yes, he's a know it all d bag and didn't want to have to listen to anybody or anything. Keeps a very small circle. Very, I mean, absolutely. Well, that's you, why you he's can married tell. to John it Mabry. It was him and John Mabry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 literally died on that hill. Yeah, he, he really did. did. Um, so the the search is on. It's going to be search interesting. Is on. Joining us on the phone right now is the host of Fairways and Greens Sunday mornings on the Big 550 and the golf ambassador at Normandy Golf Club, but he is not your damn weatherman. Jay Randolph, <laughs> no, he's not. Jay Randolph Jr. Joins or your lost and found guy. Or your lost and found guy. Or uh, your hot dogs before 1030 <laughs> guy. Jay Randolph Jr. joins us right now. You can follow him on Twitter at STL Golf Geek. Jay, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, boys. Good to talk to you. I do want to give props to Andy, who uh, beat me in uh, a match play event Uh in Normandy Uh uh, on Thursday. And congratulations. Let's get that out of the way. Thank thank you, Jennings. How much much money did you win off of him? We didn't bet. No money? We didn't bet any money. For pride. Pride. It was pride pride pride. into an advance on the TMA fan page. Match play championship. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important thing. So uh, Francisco Molinari, he becomes the first Italian to win a major 
as he will surely fill that claret jug with amaretto tonight. But before we get to him, let's talk about the people who finished behind him. That's the best Tiger has looked in years. I know he'd rather win than lose, but he has to feel good about that outing heading into the PGA Championship in three weeks, don't you think? You know, guys, I, I remember back early in the spring, the week of the Masters, and I talked to two of my favorite people that covered the tour week to week, John McGinnis for the Sirius XM PGA Tour and Michael Collins for ESPN.com. And I said, do you think Tiger can win a major this year? And if so, when? Both of them almost immediately texted me back and said, Bell Reeve. And, and you know, I've kind of gone with that premise. I thought Carnoustie might be a little tougher on him. I was wrong. You know, he played he played his way through the golf course, put himself in contention, didn't get it done. But, you know, the question is, and it's already being asked, is this was this the last shot or was this maybe the start of something that we'll see roll for the next couple of years? I hope it's the latter, and I hope he's in contention at Bell Reef. I think he looks like he's in tremendous shape, too. Mm -hmm. I thought for a while that maybe Tiger was a little too bulky, mm -hmm. and that was the reason why his back was giving him so many problems, just mm -hmm. so much torque whenever he was swinging because, you know, he was built like a defensive back or a free safety. I mean, he was unlike any golfer we had ever seen. He's still in good shape. He still has, you know, clearly defined muscle tone, as you can see, but he no longer looks as bulky. He looks a little more slimmed down, and I think that's probably going to aid his game. Well, I think the number one thing it may do, and I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I, I think everything he does now is for the health of his back. I don't think it's for getting bigger and stronger. I think it's for maintaining what they did in the fusion of his back. And that's the thing that has been different about this return to golf than the previous couple is he's pain free. You're not seeing him wince. This is a healthy tiger. And that's why you, you get the feeling in your mind, and, and you certainly felt like it today when he had the lead alone at 7-under and looked like we might be headed for some history uh, with him winning the British Open uh, at Carnoustie. Um, but, but, you know, you wonder if today was kind of his last chance, like Nicholas in, in 86 at the Masters, or like I said, you know, this was the signal that maybe the next couple of years he's still going to be in the mix. What did you see out of him today that can really he can take moving forward instead of just being, you know, kind of the last shot today? What can he take away from, you know, his rounds the last couple of days moving forward? I think the, the thing that he has to appreciate is that the majority of the time he was placing the ball where he wanted to. You know, it was a very difficult and different day today than it was the first three days. And his experience came into play. He knew when to be aggressive, knew when not to be aggressive. But a couple of mistakes, that chip shot, that, that flop shot that he tried to play, cost him dearly and changed. And, and the leaderboard changed at that point. But, you know, I, I think, you know, he's a guy that plans. And, and I think, you know, this comeback is, is an evolution it, I don't look at it as just a hit and a miss. If this guy's healthy, he can play for six or seven more years. Now, I don't know at what level, but I think he's got to be pretty happy uh, with, with where he is today as opposed to where he was uh, uh, two years ago. Jennings, talking about uh, Carnoustie, what were your thoughts on the golf course and the tournament overall? After, I know after watching today, today Sunday was, a, was one of the most – one of the better Sundays of a major championship that I've watched in a long time. And uh, how painful is it to watch Xander Schauffele play golf? He's so effing slow. <laughs> <laughs> is that how well, you say his last name? Schauffele. Schauffele. He's very, very slow. And he didn't like the fact that there was another guy named Xander in the field. No. And I never really understood that. I'm, he was, he was seriously concerned about that? He was. Oh, my he God. Did. He did. I mean, I think he was, in a way, joking, but I think the guy <laughs> I would said, hope. how about the fact that there's two Xanders in the field, and he felt like, I'm the only Xander. Well, <laughs> you know, I felt like, you know, from what we saw at the U.S. Open with some of the goofiness and, and the way they trick up the golf course, I appreciated this championship. Me you too. Know, it, yeah. it, it was dictated by the conditions. The opening day, it was firm and fast that it rained yesterday and that changed things it you weren't you weren't getting the 70 80 yard, yard rolls 
Then, you know, it started to dry out a little bit yesterday, but was still a little softer. And then it worked perfectly into Sunday where you really had to be precise. You saw a lot of balls hit on the front part of greens and just rolled all the way off because of the wind and because of the condition of the golf course. So I felt like today, and I felt like uh, Francesco Malneri did it. Uh, and, and let's not forget, Francesco Malneri did this, and he was paired with Tiger Woods, um, you know, which back in the day meant, you know, 77 in the final round. So I, I really enjoyed Carnusti. I think it's one of the great open championship venues. I cannot wait for next year when they go to uh, Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland, and, and, and play uh, there at Port Rush. Uh, that's going to be the first time I found out today that next year at Royal Port Rush, they're going to have to not allow spectators to show up on the day of the championship. Today, mm-hmm. you could today you could have walked up at Carnoustie, just and had your you know forty pounds or whatever it was or fifty pounds, paid your way in and gotten to go to the final round. Dang. That's why the British Open is different. A little, you know. A little, hey, don't get me wrong. The British Open is still very corporate. Everything's corporate, but you know it's it, it's not as tough a ticket as a Masters or a U.S. Open or hell even a PGA. The the, the tournament was in Scotland. It'd been funny if that uh if Shaffley would have went to the other Xander and took out his golf club and said there could be only one and try to <laughs> bonk him on the head <laughs> like in the Highlander. Go ahead, go ahead, Hanselman. Jennings, have you have you played Carnoustie before? No, I have never played Carnoustie. I I've been in the region, uh, but didn't get to play it. Um, I I. From people I've talked to, uh, many people believe it's the hardest test. I heard that as well. I heard that on the broadcast several, several times. Yeah, I mean, I you know, depending on because the conditions can change there, I think a little more rapidly than some of the other places. Um, I think it fools you at times uh, because of some of the where the bunkers are. Um, I mean, you really have to be. It's it's a it's a guy. You know, you gotta you gotta be right off the tee, and you saw that today. In many instances, especially with Molinari, who who hit it in the bunker on that par five, and uh, you know he could have gone south at that point. He didn't. Uh, we saw Kevin Kisner have a little trouble with some of the bunkers. Uh, it was just a. It was an awesome day for golf. It I really think everybody, was. Everybody got fired up. Um, you know, maybe Tiger. You know, fooled. He did fool us a little bit. I think a lot of us. Saw the old Tiger when he got the seven and was alone in the lead. And we start thinking about history and, and the fact that, you know, this would have been 10 years. Jack's win, you know, in 86 was six years removed. This would have been 10 and change. And, you know, if it happens, it's going to be significant. Jennings, from a fan perspective, I mean, you look at what took place today or at, took place in the tournament at one point. Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy were among a six-way tie for first place, and then you get Tiger Woods just one back. From a fan perspective, how great was that for the golf for the game of golf? That's the that's the dream scenario. Um, you know, you 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 didn't get it down the stretch, but you got it in the middle part of the round when you looked on that leaderboard, and there was Tiger Woods, and there was the golden child. Uh, you know, Jordan Spieth. And, and, you know, here's the luck of the Irish and, and Rory McIlroy in his big time game. And, and you just started to think, wow, um, you know, and it teased us. We didn't get the full effect. No. But but you know what? It, it showed what it can be. And uh, I, I mean, that's why I think the, this PGA championship, you know, a it's the hundredth PGA. Granted, we're St. Louisans, and we haven't had a, a major golf tournament here since 1992, uh, a PGA Tour major tournament. I don't mean to take anything away from the Champions Tour. Um, but, I mean, this thing, a lot of things are pointing in the right direction to, to have the 100th PGA be one hell of a tournament. I, I was going to comment on Tiger real quick. I saw the look in his eye that I haven't seen in a long time when he was teeing off. On, I think yeah. it was either twelve or thirteen. They did, they had that close up of him, and you could just you could see that look that he hasn't had in a long, long time. So hopefully he can bring that kind of energy to uh, to St. Louis at Belle Reve coming up here August sixth through the twelfth at the at the one hundred PGA Championship. Um, 
Well, to Burger's point too, I mean, along with his physique, you just saw a lot of confidence, and that was really cool. And he looked I like think. he was having fun again yeah, too. Yeah, he, he did. Look it was just fun to watch. To me, that's more important than anything yeah, else. If you're out there and you're miserable, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, well, and, and I think that that you know, again, this has been part of a process. To think that anybody that's gone through all that he has gone through, and there's a lot of it, and a lot of it's self-created. Um, would just immediately come back and win the Masters is a little much. I mean, really, when you think about what he's done, it's pretty, pretty strong. Now, you know, that's all great. He set the bar, and he still goes by the bar of winning major championships. And, you know, that's the, that's the thing that's still out there. That's what drives him. You know, he's got all of them. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the fame. It's the trophy and the majors that drive him. Eddie Pepperell finished tied for sixth at five under and says he played today's round hungover, and he shot a 67. <laughs> What's the best score you've ever posted in recovery mode or maybe still feeling it, Jay? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, wow. I would, I would say <laughs> Thank 68 you. probably. 68? Look at you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I would say back in the day when I was playing in cash games out of Glen Echo Country Club as a – 22 or 20 or maybe a 20-year-old, you know, you have a big Friday night and you go play in the Skins game on Saturday and, you know, it takes a couple of holes to get the rust off. And uh, uh, But then all of a sudden you start to ease up and you feel a little better. And, uh, you know, I I don't recommend it. Uh, You don't don't hear (laughs) many guys admit it. I was like, I don't um, even shoot 68 on my best day ever. I do it hungover. On the front nine. On the front nine, I shot 68. Yeah, I was a little surprised that he gave that admit, especially at the time when it looked like the way the golf course was going. There was an outside shot that he'd be in a playoff. Jay Randolph Jr. joining us right now on the phone. You can follow him on Twitter at STLGolfGeek. Uh, Jay, what can we expect at Bell Raven three weeks other than great weather because I know this line of work you're really in? Uh, well, <laughs> if, if I could have bottled the weather we had in 1992, which was my first, pe- which was my first major championship, that I had ever, ever been to. People thought, well, you know, I always thought because of Jay Senior and golf, I'd been to major championships. But NBC didn't cover any of the major championships who he worked for. So I had never been to a major. And, uh, you know, that was a dream week of weather. I think what to expect, and I've tried to tell people this, you know, don't expect 92. This thing is expanded to where it's going to be its own city there. And they're going to be, you know, it, it, you're not just going to be able to walk in. You're going to have to park off site. Just, just deal with it. You know, for one week, uh, some people might be inconvenienced, but it's for the good of the game and the good of the community. And I think, as I said just a couple of minutes ago, with so many guys, you know, you look at that leaderboard today. It was, I mean, it was a dream. Imagine, yeah. Yeah. Can, it was can really you cool. imagine how, how crazy things would be in this town? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. If going into Sunday, um, you had Spieth or McElroy or Tiger or, I mean, Justin Thomas trying to defend or Francesco Molinari trying to win two in a row, uh, I mean, it, it could be wild. And I, I think that, you know, I, my hope is the golf course comes off good, the town comes off fantastic, and uh, we, we have a great champion that Bell reproduces. Jay, you're not just a golf ambassador for Normandy Golf Club. I feel like you're the golf ambassador for St. Louis. What kind of things do you have planned for, uh, let's say, maybe the caddies or maybe some of the, if you know some of the players or anything going on at the Rock that week? What do you have going on? Well, it's a good question. Um, you know, I'll, I'm going to go out a couple days. I'll go out before the tournament begins, probably on Wednesday night, to have a little cocktail party at the Manchester Hot Shots. That's very Thanks nice. I'll be there. Thanks. Yep. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, you know, that, that'll probably happen with some of the folks coming in from out of town. And then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to probably go out on Friday. Um, you know, again, I've always felt like uh, the best place to watch the final round of the major or really any round is yep. in front of the two. It really is. Uh, um, you know, it, it just is better, but I, I, and I'll go out Sunday morning and, uh, try and get a little feel for how the golf course is. I can't wait. It should be, uh. It should be great at Bell Reef. Any uh, special guest appearances out of the Rock that week? Um, well, you know, the voice of golf, Bob Bumpko, come out probably. Michael Collins might come out and play. 
Gary Van Sickle, a noted writer, has already contacted the club and said he wants to play the oldest public golf course oh, nice. in Mississippi. Nice. So, you know, I, we, we just let our uh, patrons know that we've opened up the tee times a week early online um, because we get a sense that people are going to want to play golf that week or maybe play golf in the morning, go out in the afternoon to the tournament if they've got tickets. So just log on to normandygolf.com and come see us like Andy. Now, are they going to? Are, are your greens guys going to knock down the rough before you have all these players out there? I know you've had some rough, some complaints about the rough at the Rock. There's nothing wrong with the rough. As you well know, um, the, the thing about it is, Normandy back in the day used to be a, a, a dust bowl come August. And you know what? This guy, Kyle Betlock, the superintendent, has let the grass grow in the rough, and it's what it's called, rough. But we're going to have it. <laughs> in, we're going to have it in August. It's we're joyous. Gonna, we got it now. It's joyous. It's, uh, the, the golf course is in great shape. Jay, well, it's it, it's it. You know what? Let me tell you something. Great is an overused term. Um, it's in it's in good shape it, it, for what our budget is and what this guy has for his crew. It's it. You're right. It is in really great shape for those factors. But as a whole, it's in it's in good shape and it's a fun golf course. Uh, it's it's uh, you play all different types of shots. Uh, you play it m multiple times. You almost never have the same shot. It's it's wild. Jay, we appreciate your time, sir. And uh, hopefully, maybe we'll be bumping into you out there at uh, at Bell Reef oh, for yeah. the 100th PGA Championship. No question about it, boys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, See Jay. See you, Jenny. Thanks. That is Jay Randolph Jr. He is the golf ambassador at Normandy Golf Club. You can follow him on Twitter at STL Golf Geek and listen to him every Sunday morning on Fairways and Greens on the Big of 550. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is probably one of the better-looking quarterbacks in all of the National Football League, was spotted over the weekend dating a porn star. We took a porn star on a date. Well, and she's a, a former porn star. Former porn star, porn star, and she's older too, I believe. She's, no, she's she, no, no, she's not. No, she's not old. I thought, well, she, not old, but older than what older he is. Than he is for sure. Yeah, I will. I will find out. And how no, she's old not she is. like she's not like you know B. Arthur. No, but I mean, she is older than what he is. Late thirties, early forties, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No doubt. So, There's a ten year age gap. At least. At least. If you're the San Francisco 49ers and you see your franchise quarterback that you've dumped a lot of money in yeah, on the town with a out-of-the-business porn star. She's 25. She's 25? Not, no way. She looks older than that. God. What? Well, Mia Khalifa. No. Considering. That's not her. That's not her. That's not her. Oh, who was who he out with? I thought he was out with Mia Khalifa. I remember the chick's name. It's something along those lines, but it wasn't her. Yeah. So, anyway. You guys don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I know exactly where. It's not. Anyways. If you're the San Francisco 49ers... I'm going to look this up. Keep going. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, would you be concerned at all that your franchise quarterback that you've dumped all this money into yeah. is dating a former porn star? See, I don't know, because if you're... I mean, John Lynch, who's now doing, I think, a really good job of you know running that front office, Like, you don't think he did something stupid like that back in the day? And it's one thing to be concerned about as opposed to actually like doing something about, you know... Like you could be like, yeah, I don't really like that, but you can't turn around and tell him like, no, you can't. Well, no, date I mean like he, 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 yeah, he, they can't dictate like who we can date right. and who we cannot date, right? But they could probably be like, look, I mean, are you sure this is what you <laughs> want to do? It's probably a running joke in the I, office. I, I would be. Here's the reason why I would be concerned is because, I mean, the girls in the industry, I'm sure they're not all like this, but a lot of them, you know, the, t tend to you know rely on outside chemicals. There's a, there's a culture around Absolutely, and I don't know if yeah. I would want my investment, you know, kind of getting mixed up in something like Her that. Her name is Kiara Mia. Yeah. Okay, and she's uh, how old? She was born January 24th, 1977. She's oh, my gosh, so wow. she's my age. She's my age. She's 41 years <laughs> 41. old. Yeah, so she's a cougar. Good yeah, for, she's a cougar. Good yeah. for her. Her full name is Deanne Munoz, according to her Wikipedia. Good for her. And Snagging an NFL Go out there and dating Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, like, here's another thing. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you could have... Almost any A-list actress oh, in Hollywood that you want. She's neat. 
She's chesty. Well, yeah. Well, she, look, considering the line of work that she was in, she's going to be chesty. There were some assets that were purchased. Yeah, absolutely. A good investment. <laughs> but if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, here's another thing. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you're in a uh, in a big-time franchise. The San Francisco 49ers oh, yeah. are one, I mean. Storied franchise. Storied franchise. I mean, would you go so far as say one of the crown jewels of the NFL? But they're up there. I mean, Dallas, of, of Dallas, all, Dallas, Green Bay, of all and, time, and, uh, and of Pittsburgh. All time. Yeah, you they, can't say currently, but of all time, absolutely. So they they have a huge following, and you're a good, you're a young, good looking guy. Yeah. I mean, marketing. You're in marketing. Marketing people would love this guy. Yeah, he's a perfect spokesman. Perfect spokesman. And now you just took you took all that money and you flushed it right down the toilet because you're dating a porn star. <sighs> Maybe they're in love, Matt. I oh come know. on. Maybe they're in love. That's what it is. My oh, life. she's definitely in love with something. Well, <laughs> she's in love because she's 41 and she's dating a 26-year-old football player. She also participates in lesbianism. Oh, uh, well, there's a big shocker. <laughs> I don't know. Good good for him. Good for them. Uh, honestly, it made me laugh when I saw it originally. Oh, I, I laughed too. but, be- I, but Because the- I was like, I had this image of Jimmy Garoppolo as just being this, you know, this kid from Eastern Illinois, just straight up, you know, straight laced guy, just super nice, like the darling of NFL quarterbacks, you know, just everything you wanted to be. And then he gets out to the West Coast, and the first thing he does is start dating a point star. <laughs> anybody, That's how impactful California is, people. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge fan of the Dan Levitard show. Yeah. And they always do, oh my goodness. Oh. And they always do this thing where. Uh, Hang on, there's, Stu, there's, there's more to that, though. Where I, Stu Guts. <laughs> Where Stu guys will do his weekend observations, and right. this was a couple years ago when Garoppolo was filling in for uh, Tom Brady when he was doing the four game suspension for right. Deflategate. Yeah, and you know Jimmy Garoppolo was playing really well. Right, and this is what Stu guys said, and I laughed out loud when he said this. He goes, "Tom Brady watching Jimmy Garoppolo work seamlessly in that Bill Belichick offense has to be the equivalent of watching a younger, better looking guy have sex with your wife." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. And I died laughing. And in no way do I want to watch. Yeah, that. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting there, Hanselman. Thank very, you. Very, very interesting stuff. Uh, another big thing that happened over the weekend: the Milwaukee <laughs> Brewers relief pitcher Josh Hader had some racist, racist and homophobic tweets, uh, uh, you know, on his jacket. I guess you could say that people were digging and they found that tweets that were that he said that he sent when he was seventeen. He's twenty four now. He was giving a standing ovation by Brewers fans when he entered the game over the weekend. He's a racist. He has apologized to his team and appears to have the endorsement of Lorenzo Kane and Jesus Agliar. Um I hate judging people on stuff that they've done in the past. Especially when you're especially a kid. when you're seventeen. Especially, especially you're when you're stupid. seventeen. Yeah. But like seventeen you should know a little bit better, but <sighs> I got a feeling like when you thumb that when you thumb that shit out when you're seventeen, you don't think anybody's ever going to find it. Yeah. And you do grow as a person. I yeah. do that. That does happen all the time. You see no stories doubt. all the time about people who were former Klansmen or former members of a white nationalist party that well, no longer are. I mean, there's there's some. I think there's a tattoo. Like we're talking about tattoos, as I got one when I was in New York over the weekend or over the week. And um, there's some place I think in Chicago that will come in or or New Jersey that if you have a racist tattoo and you no longer want that on your body, they, they will correct Take it for it free. Take it off for free, yeah. They will correct it for free. Yeah. So people can change. Right. So I I, I kind of want to give this kid the benefit of the doubt. Lorenzo Cain and Jesus Aguilar, mm-hmm. you know, go into bad form. I think that says something, so who knows? It's, I thought it was kind of strange that the Brewers fans gave him a standing ovation, though. I think, well, especially because it's it's a tough situation. No, by no means do I, you know, advocate for him to do it. But he was a kid. Like, I look back when I was 17, I probably would have tweeted some really dumb shit, too, if I had it back then. Sure. Not to that extent or, you know, whatever. But I think you saw the backlash take place over the past week to where this guy, you know, seven years ago tweeted some stuff. And he may be a totally different person today. And you Absolutely. know, he facing that backlash, and I think while the applause at the stadium was a, a little awkward, I think to say to say the least, that's really what it was. You know, they're still behind him. The kid made a mistake seven years ago, but no doubt it was weird. It was weird to see. If you're going to be in the All Star game, and I don't, I don't even put the responsibility on the on the kid. You would think that the team would have a researcher of some kind that could go back through these social media profiles and be like. We need to clean this up before you do anything. Before you, you know, do... honestly, you would think like like someone's agent. Like you would think his agent would do that. Yeah, his it, agent, or even somebody he. I mean, somebody he if, has if, on part of his entourage or whatever. Yeah. If, if I was an agent, I had some. I would have somebody in my office, and that would be their designated job. Yeah. 
Go through every single one of their social media profiles, and if and you find deep. find anything that could even be remotely construed as being homophobic or racist or something, or even like favoriting a porn, something, right. yeah, like yeah. well, I mean, like that's bad. That's more embarrassing than anything else. But right. still, get rid of it. Yeah. Get rid of it. You don't need it. You don't. It's, it's too much of a headache. You don't need it. Speaking of a headache that will not go away, and going back to the NFL. The anthem protest is rearing its head once again. The NFL, it, it, I, I said it years ago, and it, it still stands true. It's idiot-proof. It really is idiot-proof because the ratings are going to be high again for the National Football League, yep. but this controversy is not going to go away. Uh, the president is going to be tweeting about it. People are going to be talking about it, and it is such a simple solution. Just keep the teams in the locker room while the anthem is being played like you did before 2006, and you started taking checks from the Department of Defense, and then whenever the anthem's over, then have them come running out the tunnel, and no one will be talking about this in October. Yeah. The solution is so damn simple, and I don't understand why the NFL doesn't do it. You, the, the players, they can still have their freedom of speech. If they want to talk about social injustice, they want to talk about racism, they want to talk about police brutality, they can still do that mm -hmm. they have a platform they have their fame they have charities that they can start or they can donate yeah they can still accomplish both things at the same time i have no idea why the nfl is being this dumb someone well, help me well it got brought back up this week because the dolphins right they had the the it was leaked that the policy came out that they were going to start you know suspending or finding players for not standing for the national anthem and then you know a couple days later the owner comes out and says well it wasn't permanent which is the most PR bureaucratic so bullshit and, thing and ever. And Stephen Ross yeah. what was it last year he had the players back so this policy was a complete 180 to it what was. he had said in the past and then the Giants their ownership has said you know what like if our players take a knee we are we are never going to suspend them we are never going to find them right. we are not going to mute their freedom of speech this, I mean, it's supposed to be the National Football League, not the National Freedom of Speech League. I understand what the players want to do, sure. but their message is being overshadowed by all this other bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's no longer about racial injustice. It's no longer about police brutality. Right. No one is talking about that. All it's become now is a big pissing contest between the National Football League, the people who love it, the people who don't love it, and right. the President of the United States, who loves it because now no everybody's talking about that instead of his... Triced with, uh, <laughs> with with the uh, Vladimir Putin in triced. Russia in Helsinki. Triced so, says triced. So I mean, he's loving this because no, they're talking about that and not not what he was doing in Helsinki. No. So I understand why he loves it, but I mean, if, if we're going into the NFL season and this is still going to be talked about, I think it's bad. I think it's bad for the NFL. The ratings are still going to be high, but it's still going to be an issue. I want to talk about football. When I'm watching a pregame show, I want to talk about football. Yeah, I don't want to see you know when the like when I'm watching um, uh, this week in football or whatever it is on NBC. Whenever they show all the highlights, I know I know it's no longer going to be Dan Patrick. I don't know who's going to be doing it now. Maybe Mike Tirico. Right. But like I like watching that. I like watching the highlights. I like watching all the analysis. Right. And then they're going to be showing. Well, you know, this player, you know, player X, player Y, and player Z. They knelt during the national anthem. Be like, oh god, the story's never going to go away. Right. And it's so simple. Yeah, I know it. It's an easy solution in terms of burying it. I mean, and, and the biggest problem is there's no middle ground. Like in in neither party is going to back down from their opposing side. They are not. And the more you push on one side, the other side is going to push harder, even back. Yes. You know, so if you tell guys no, you're going to get suspended, whatever. You know, for not saying they're going to go out and do something bigger. So it's just poking the bear. And you you made a great point. I mean, it's tough and it sucks that going into the season. This is going to be a storyline. I mean, we've talked about it. I think we have differing views on the matter, but we can agree that it's not good for the NFL. It's not good, and like I said, it's supposed to be about football, not about this. Yeah. Do you know who Bill Crystal is? Not yes. Bill, not Billy Crystal, but Bill, Bill. Crystal. Yep. <laughs> Any big movie star? No, no, no oh, not Billy. Crystal. Not not Billy Crystal. Oh, Bill, Bill Crystal. Not Bill Crystal, who is a conservative writer, uh, founded the Weekly Standard. And was part of the New American Century yeah. think tank yep. back in the early 2000s, which was kind of like partially responsible for the war in Iraq. Right. Um, and so, a very, in other words, a very conservative guy, wouldn't mm -hmm. you say? I mean, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually enjoy watching him on MSNBC, and mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed reading him when he was a columnist for the New York Times. Yeah. He tweeted out that maybe it's time for the, and I've said this, maybe it's time to quit playing the national anthem before sporting events. It would be a sad day if it has to come to that, but I think it would be too. But I mean, that's another solution. Maybe just before the Super Bowl and before every game of the World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup. Yeah, you have that rascal, you have that rascal flaps come out. You have to have them come out and sing the national anthem. <laughs>
I think uh, I think I've seen Jordan Sparks sing the national anthem more than I've seen her sing anything else in my entire life. Oh yeah, life. they they love rolling out Kelly Clarkson and Jordan Sparks. It's always Jordan Sparks every single time I watch. Did like, that Taylor Hicks ever do any uh, Super know, Bowls or NFC championships? Or I don't think so. But like, okay, when you're watching the game on on Thanksgiving, yeah, it'd be like you know here to sing the national anthem. I go, let me guess, Jordan Sparks, American Idol contestant, Jordan Sparks. American Idol seems to be a like man. If you don't make it in music, you're ending up singing the national anthem. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. And she does a great job yeah. every time. I hear her. She does a great job. I think I, I'm like, does she sing anything else other than the national anthem? Right. You're gonna buy a Jordan Sparks CD. It's gonna be twelve versions of the national anthem. It's a partnership between that's, American that's, Idol that's, and the NFL. That's what it is. Uh, wrapping up, Kawhi Leonard traded to the Toronto Raptors for DeMar DeRozan. Andy Hanselman, your thoughts? American Idol. Oh, I, I, never mind. I thought that was. I thought. I thought the echo thing was gonna was gonna work, and my echo's not working for some reason. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, anyway, uh, Kawhi Leonard traded. Uh, that's great news for uh, Toronto fans. He's a he's he's a, he gets up the court. He gets down the court. He throws the ball up, and he big NBA guy. Andy's a big NBA. Can't, can't you guy. tell by this hard this hard hitting analysis? I mean, I feel he. It. He uh, he just needs a wide base. He gets a good wide base, and he's really a, he's a good defender. <laughs> he is a good defender. That is that is. A, I know. I know. That's a is. spot on take. That that is a spot on take. <laughs> Thank you so much for the uh, yeah for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> that brings this edition of the Last Minute Podcast to a close. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Google Play, and we will see you on the other side. <laughs>